All right, welcome to uh, the Kincaid and Breckenridge Highlight Show. I'm Roger. That's Rob. Today we talked to uh, uh, somebody from the Frontier Center for Public Policy about those uh, speed traffic cameras and whether they do anything about street safety, making roads safer. Uh, the answer is probably what you think. Also, with regard to keeping kids safe, uh, the Calgary Catholic School District, also their Edmonton uh, counterparts, uh, out of fear over terrorism and mass shootings, have decided to uh, prohibit any and all international travel. Any sort of travel outside of Canada uh, for students uh, is now off limits for the time being. Is that a a rational move or is that um, uh, kind of an irrational assessment uh, of the risk? Listen to our program Monday to Friday, 9.30 to 12.30 on News Talk 770 and NewsTalk770.com. Kincaid and Breckenridge, News Talk 770, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome back. Kincaid and Breckenridge show here on News Talk 770. I'm Roger. That's Rob. whole lot of stuff to get to on the show today. Wish we could carve out a half an hour where I could just say what I want to say about Justin Trudeau and what's going on. One and a half billion dollar holes in tax plans. But you know what? We got some other stuff scheduled. It's a bit more exciting than that. Whatever happened to that guy? Remember he was running for the leadership of the Liberal Party, and then then what (laughs) happened? (laughs) Uh, You know, on the other side of the spectrum, by the way, it's cool to hear. uh, Was that that, uh, Paul Ryan saying uh, this is not conservatism, talking about Donald Trump's ban the Muslims policy? Yeah. There's still some grown-ups in the room in the Republican Party. Thankfully, I do think, though, it'd be pretty good if one of these uh, guys, one of these GOP types would say, here's what conservatism is and sort of sell people on the merits of it, because we desperately need that right now. Right. Well, even at Dick Cheney, uh, you know, people who, who hate Dick Cheney and think he's just evil uh, in, incarnate uh, out there praising him today for for calling out Donald Trump and, mm-hmm. and saying how shameful this is. So uh, it's certainly resonating. I guess maybe that was uh, part of Trump's idea. But uh, hopefully this is kind of the beginning of the end for him, because this has just gone way beyond anything that should pass for normal and rational political discourse. Well, his numbers are pretty good, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Let's move on to matters uh, a little bit closer to home. Uh, I I can't name a whole lot of Calgarians who like it when they go flying by a minivan parked at the side of the road and they see those bright flash bulbs go off, knowing that in just a couple of days there's going to be a summons for a couple hundred dollars in their mailbox. You get one of those photo radar tickets, and you think to yourself, damn it all. Or, or are you like me and you think to yourself, well, good, send me the ticket. I was obviously in a hurry anyway. I didn't have time to be pulled over. I, I got one. I was up in Edmonton recently and got one on the uh, on the Hende, which is like their ring road. I was going, brace yourself, 116 in a 100 zone. Oh, shocking. You know, you know, Rob. <laughs> shocking a co- a, disregard. <laughs> a collision at that speed, Rob, could be catastrophic. Yeah. If you were driving the speed limit, a collision would have been totally manageable and uncatastrophic. Right. It's <laughs> uh, always my favorite one. Yeah. But no, I mean, we, we grumble about these, and obviously the answer is, well, don't speed. But remember a while ago, I mean, we were in our old location uh, downtown, mm-hmm. and I, I got two, actually, right in the same area, because there's this playground near Eau Claire, but you can't see the playground. There's never any kids at the playground, but yeah, it's a playground zone. Right. So both days I was going 50 down the road, which is the normal speed limit, got a couple of, of photo radar tickets, and I went to, to the court and I said, look, had I known, I, I wouldn't have, right? I mean, if a police officer had pulled me over and said, look, you, this is a 30, I got to go 30 in this zone, I would have slowed down. Part of the, the argument against photo radar is that it's not really promoting safety in the sense that the if, if the motorist is engaged in a dangerous activity, you're simply taking a picture 
of that person who will continue doing the dangerous activity versus when a police officer pulls someone over, you stop that potentially dangerous behavior. Right. And that's what this conversation is all about now. There are some people who say, if you want to stop people, if you want to reform a behavior, you hit them where it hurts, you get them in the pocketbook. Well, does that work? Because we've had photo radar for a long, long time, particularly in uh, in Calgary here. And have people stopped speeding? Let's let that sort of theory be the foundation for this conversation. Please welcome now uh, to the program Hiroko Shimizu, uh, Shimizu uh, policy analyst and researcher with the Frontier Center for Public Policy, also an associate researcher with the Molinari Economic Institute in Brussels. Hiroko, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning to you. So this is uh, an interesting study now uh, that has been published by the Frontier Center, which you've uh, co-authored. It's called Speed or Greed? Does Automated Traffic Enforcement Improve Safety or Generate Revenue? I, I think the latter part of that question, does it generate revenue, is uh, pretty easy to answer. We have all uh, we all know that we got to pay money whenever we go flying by one of those photo radar tickets. But what does it tell us about safety? Okay. Uh, we went through many reports and studies and data in the world. And when it comes to safety improvement, there is not evidence there. So, you know, when it comes to safety, these camera programs are not effective. Uh, how do we measure whether they are? Are, are we comparing uh, traffic stats to what they were previous years? Are we comparing areas that have photo radar versus areas that don't have photo radar or areas that have photo radar versus areas patrolled by uh, police officers pulling vehicles over? How are we measuring and comparing? Actually, uh, there are many studies in the United States and then compare that uh, locations installed by camera, installed cameras, and compare the, the locations not having cameras. And then compare the results after installment of the programs, and the results are mixed. Some places are improved, that some, some places are not improved even with cameras. Mm. So results are not you know, clear to have the camera is improving the safety. So. Okay, so if you have conflicting evidence like that, then I guess it's difficult to support the claim that the cameras do contribute to greater safety. But I would toss into that mix that... The fact that cars are safer now than they've ever been, and we have things like anti-lock brakes and, and whatnot, uh, that those are a greater contributor to traffic safety. It actually, it's, uh, you know, you're right. Road safety has been improving for several decades because of better car technologies like tires, brakes, or regulations like seat belts, but not enforcing lower speed limits. That's the fact. So the the notion then that that it's a deterrent that uh, someone gets a ticket in the mail that after the fact tells them that what they were doing was unsafe and they change their behavior as a result uh-huh. there's there's not necessarily the evidence to back that up. Yeah, it's also we searched a lot of studies in the United States and the conclusion of the studies are actually these drivers especially dangerous drivers they don't change behavior at all. You know, some people get 10 or 12 or 15 tickets, but if there is no penalty for, you know, deducting the points or something, they're really not changing. So the program is not deterrent. You know, it cannot be a deterrent for changing the behaviors. 
Hiroko, is there an argument that the money raised, the revenue generated from these uh, automated traffic enforcement devices can be put into programs that can augment that behavior and get a desirable safety result? Yeah, actually, we said, you know, usually the revenue generated from programs goes into the black box of the city coffers or mm-hmm. municipality coffers. Rather than that, we recommended that should be go to some, you know, actually the programs uh, improving the safety, like a driver's education or improving infrastructures, adequate signals, you know, have to be spent in that way rather than, you know, just go to the police or, you know, municipality coffers. Right. Are those devices you talk about, you know, adequate signage? Uh, is is that uh, something that we know contributes to greater road safety? Actually, it is, and there are much more effective ways, like a signage or road infrastructure or a new flashing light or better signage. Is these are more effective than camera programs? There is some much so much engineering based evidence out there, but people don't look at it. Hmm. It's pure politicians. <laughs> well, what about the the argument, though, Hiroko, that if, if people didn't speed, uh, no one would pay these. That revenue wouldn't be there. So even if municipalities are relying on that revenue, mm-hmm. uh, the fact is that it, it results from people speeding, that it's uh, you know a, a tax then that essentially people are choosing to pay by speeding. Yeah, that's a problem. But if it's a speeding, when it comes to speeding, if municipality is setting artificially low speeds, Everyone violates the speed limits, right? right? So actually, uh, in the United States, since 2012, many programs were discontinued because not many people, you know, they adjusted the behavior to the cameras. They know where exactly the cameras are. So the program cannot sustain financially, and, uh, you know, they have to finish the program. So you know, that people can adjust easily and adapt. So what is the primary issue then that that this report uncovers, Hiroko? Is it that uh, the the amount of money generated from these Mm -hmm. devices is just too irresistible for politicians to want to do away with? Yeah, exactly. What we are saying is politicians are addicted to this revenue stream because in the category, I think in 2014, they, um, you know, that actually 2013, the city generated $40 million. So it's $40 million. It's easy money for them. Mm-hmm. So they're addicted to the, easily addicted to this money. And then the signage that goes along with these devices is in Calgary is typically one of two things. There's a, a picture of a camera mm-hmm. at an intersection. In In many instances, where there is no camera to record you from the direction you're driving, mm-hmm. uh, or else there's a sign that says uh, photo radar enforced. And so is that sort of a kind of a, uh, you know, a half-assed way of the city saying, oh, you know, we're, we're trying to tell people that these enforcement devices are there when really they know that they want you to violate them so that they can make some easy money? Yes, that's a suspicion, but actually the paper says if the program, camera programs, are implemented based on the engineering facts and proper signage, city cannot generate revenue as much as they do now. So, as you're right, so, you know, it's kind of, you know, the municipality knows what they're doing, 
but you know, like in Georgia State in the United States, they stated you know the mandatory obligated the municipalities before implementing the program, they have to do proper signage and warning the driver properly, and then they have to have an application. We like we did everything we can, and then we'd like to start a camera program. So camera program is not panacea, but just a part of the safety issues. So as you said, the municipality has obligation to warn driver properly, and signage have to be there to warn the driver. So, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so should municipalities move away from, from this kind of technology, uh, or what? What role should they play going forward in any kind of rational, safety-based uh, approach? Actually, you know, you, you know, municipality or politician use speed cues, scare-mongering tactics, but in, based on engineering some facts, we have to have a, you know, say, you know, safety issue is not big issue anymore because the record shows only 2,000 around 2,000. Canadians are, you know, died from traffic accident, but twice as many people died from falling accidents, like a falling from stairs, falling from ladders, you know, they died from falling accidents. So, you know, safety, safety, people, everything is, gets emotional, but engineering-based more, you know, approach are needed for this issue rather than camera programs. Something that interests me uh, about this um, automated traffic enforcement devices is that I I think that they, I mean, they don't discriminate at all, right? They just take a picture of whatever the car is. And I think that that they might disproportionately affect lower-income people. Did your study find that? Exactly. We uh, just searched a lot of evidence, and especially in Manitoba, or, you know, uh, that the fines are exorbitantly expensive compared to Ontario. For example, 20 kilometers over speed limit fine in, fine in Manitoba is three, $312. Compared to Ontario, it's $95. So fines are getting higher, and it's not proportionately deflecting the seriousness of fines. So if you get one ticket, 312, you know, two tickets, 600, what do you think about it? Yeah. These were really affecting the people, busy people, hardworking, law-abiding in general, you know, it's a safety, safe drivers, they're affecting the most in these, you know, for these people. That's yeah, interesting stuff. I, I mm-hmm. wonder if there were any un, unintended consequences that you might have discovered in your, in your reporting. Yeah, I intended the consequence is that you know people don't usually believe, oh, you know, I broke the law because its speed limit is there. But if the, their program is targeting law-abiding good drivers mostly, you know, there is some sort of distrust against the city officials or press, you know, police or politicians are you know getting and bigger and bigger. Probably in category two. So, you know, politicians have to be big careful why they're introducing this program and what exactly this is improving safety or, you know, if it's not, just have to stop the program. So that's our recommendations.
All right. Well, people can read the report for themselves. It's at Mm -hmm. fcpp.org, the website for the Frontier Center for Public Policy. Hiroko, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate this. Thank you very much for having me. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Hiroko uh, Shimizu is uh, with the uh, Frontier Center for Public Policy, uh, also an associate researcher with the Millenary Economic Institute in Brussels, a fellow with John Hopkins University's Institute for Policy Studies as well. Uh, so co-author of, of this report uh, that says, you know, the, these uh, ATEs, as they refer to them, the, the automated uh, traffic enforcement, have not significantly contributed to, to greater road safety, and uh, they've become uh, an easy source of revenue for municipalities, so much so that, that many have uh, come to rely on that revenue. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's take a break right here. We'll hear from you afterwards, 974-8255. You're listening to Kincaid and Breckenridge on Newstalk 770. So that I never feel alone again. All right, 974-8255 is a telephone number. The Frontier Center for Public Policy says photo radar, red light cameras, not doing much to improve road safety, doing a whole lot to line the coffers uh, of municipalities. So do we just direct that revenue so that the roads benefit or police forces benefit? Do we do we pull back in our reliance on, on this technology and then find other ways of improving road safety? Or do we just say, look, suck it up, don't. Speed, don't run red lights, and uh, and, and leave it as, as is. The, the issue I have, and we're going to get to some phone calls in just a sec, 974-8255, is that, I mean, they obviously want you to violate these these laws, right, so that they can collect the money. Because those things are just sentries that kind of you know send you a note and say, come pay the bill whenever you go speeding past. They do nothing to, to correct the behavior. So just call it what it is. And just say this is a way that we tax people. This is just another way that we collect money for the coffers. But whenever they bring these out, they talk about it in the context of road safety, which it doesn't do. So let's just get over it. You know, if we want to eliminate T-bone intersections, all the red light cameras eliminate T-bone intersections, great. Then use the revenue from those cameras to install roundabouts. Because those eliminate T-bone collisions as well, right? All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Carrie's up first. Carrie, go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. I love this subject. I, I've always had a great time talking about it. <laughs> right, uh, yes. First of all, I call it a stupid tax. And the reason I call it that is because if you're driving and you're not paying attention, you deserve that ticket. A good driver will drive along the roads. He'll be observing everything in front of him. Mm-hmm. You can see those vehicles almost Always. Yeah, provided you know what they are, Carrie. Well, in St. Albert, Albert, for example, Carrie, they've got uh, devices that aren't even in the trucks. They're hiding behind bus benches. So it's not even in a vehicle. It's a mounted device on the ground hiding behind a bus bench. There's no way you can see it. Well, then I applaud that. That doesn't bother me because, again, if you're paying attention, you know what you're doing. Uh, You've got to be observing everything. You know, I I, I spend all my day driving. I drive professionally. Mm -hmm. And... I can tell you, I've only ever gotten three drive camera tickets, and they've always been in my car uh, because I'm not paying attention at that particular moment, and I lose focus and I don't see it or I don't pay attention to it. You know, you can you 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 watch ahead. You can watch the taillights of the vehicles ahead of you. Two blocks ahead, you'll see a vehicle's taillights come on as he slows down after he got a ticket. So right. why did I? Why do I get a ticket? To me, it's the perception that Im, that's imposed upon the driver to pay more attention to everything. You know, I'm proud to say I have never hit another vehicle uh, with any, like, that does more than a couple, you know, a small scratch. I've never hit it with force because I'm always paying attention to everything on the road, everything ahead of me, everything behind me. 
it's not that difficult. All right, good good call, Carrie. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. listen, I think that people drive with the aim that they're not going to hit stuff. I think that the issue that people have is if you're not doing something that's in, that's endangering your environment, then why should you be given a ticket for it? Let me put this differently. You know those speed on green cameras? Has anyone ever been driving at three in the morning? Four in the morning. I used to drive to work at four in the morning, every morning, and I would go through a speed on green camera at 50 because I don't want to get a speeding ticket, but there is no one on the road. Although I know if I'm going 58 through that thing, I'm driving just as safely, but it would cost more money. Well, this thing, like on Highway 2 where there's no photo radar, if everybody's going 120, uh, the police aren't going to pull everybody over because everybody's going the same speed. Uh, so there's some safety in that. Whereas on, on the Deerfoot, if everyone's going uh, 10 over or whatever the threshold is, 12 over, uh, it doesn't matter if they're all going the same speed and all driving safely. The photo radar is going to ding, 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 get every one of them. And so why, why the different approaches? Uh, Jackie, hi there. Hi. It's a lovely topic for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All I right. agree with Roger. It's a, it's, they just want to get some money off of people because... Like, I've been driving for 37 years, never had a ticket, never had an accident, and I want to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. But once I was coming into town from Cochrane doing the speed limit, and I passed about three RCMP, the fourth one pulled me over and said I was speeding, which I wasn't. And so I, he gave me a ticket and said I was going over the limit, which I, I wasn't. I've never sped. So I fought that in court, and I won it. All right. So he wanted to, to tarnish my record. But another thing is, like you said, if they're using these cameras for a tax break or to get revenue, why are they putting it up so people know? People yeah. know that these cameras, they see them at red lights, see them at intersections. Some know they are hidden behind certain things. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing it if, people, if they need the money? And they know if people see those cameras, they won't, they'll slow down. Well, that's a great point, Jackie. That's the one I brought up on, uh, this morning on the morning news when I was talking to Jock Wilson, who's filling in for Bruce Kenyon. And on the way to the Christmas party a couple weekends ago, Rob, I'm driving through a construction zone, which by the way, isn't a construction zone if there's nobody working in it. And there's the photo radar van set up. And it's like, you know that they're doing that because it's a fishing hole because there's a lot of people that are going to go through here and speed finds double. Yeah. So, like, let's not pretend it's about safety. Let's just be really upfront with it. This is about revenue. But also to Jackie's call, I mean, you can go on the city of Calgary's website and you can see they'll they'll post a list of where the red light cameras are. So you can know the intersections where they are. And I I think they do move around from time to time. Um, But it's there, I guess, if you want to know um, that 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 information's uh, available. All right, uh, we got to stop down now for the news to 10.30. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, Tanya Yunker about um, uh, this this whole idea that they're banning travel for their uh, Calgary Catholic uh, school district kids uh, because of, I guess, the elevated threat level, the general uh, unsafe uh, uh, world that we live in. Um, but we'll bring this back. We're going to make some time for some uh, telephone calls later on in the broadcast. So we, we can bring this topic back for those of you who were on the line but didn't manage to be uh, part of the show. You're listening to Kincaid and Breckenridge. This is News Talk 770. That's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. 974 8255 is a telephone number. A lot more still to get to on the program today. 
Uh, it's interesting. Uh, both uh, the Edmonton Catholic School District and here in Calgary, the Calgary Catholic School Board, have made similar decisions this week regarding international field trips, specifically both school boards canceling field trips outside the country in the aftermath of uh, what's happened uh, in Paris and, and I guess even what happened last week in, in California. Uh, the memo uh, sent out in Edmonton on behalf of the assistant superintendent uh, of school operations uh, says, quote, recent media reports advise that there have been 355 mass shootings in 336 days in the United States, which confirms that acts of violence can occur anywhere at any time. This new statistic illustrates our concern for the safety and well-being of our students and staff when traveling. In a note sent to parents, uh, parents cites recent events in Paris and California and heightened concern in other cities and why it's best to limit our travels to within Canada for the remainder of this school year. Uh, the uh, directive from the Calgary uh, Catholic School District was, was a little more vague, but does speak to, quote, recent global events as a reason why this, this travel has been canceled. The Edmonton one is weird. Suddenly they've noticed that there's some mass shootings going on in the United States. Uh, Tanya Yunker joins us now, Director of Communications for the Calgary Catholic School District. Uh, Tanya, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. So, first of all, how has uh, the response been to uh, to this decision? You know, as we expected, response has been mixed. Uh, we had parents that stepped forward and said, uh, please cancel these trips. We are, we are not feeling that this is a safe environment for our kids. And there's others that have said, you know, these trips should be going forward. So we, we anticipated there would be a mixed reaction, and that's certainly what we're seeing. Okay. Take us back then to the decision itself. How was this decision made? Why was this decision made? Well, when we started seeing some um, acts of, of terrorism occurring in different spots internationally, um, we also uh, had a trip that was in the France and Belgium area at the time of that incident. Uh, we realized that we had to take a closer look at our international travel for our students and our staff, and we have uh, what we feel is a legal and moral obligation to keep our students safe and ensure a safe and caring environment for students and staff. So we went out and talked to um, our principals. We talked to uh, some parents. We talked to staff. We talked to our other um, boards around the province. We communicated with our tour companies, consulted with our business services department from the insurance perspective, and had extensive discussions uh, over the last couple of weeks about what we were going to do about the situation and arrived at the decision that this was the best way to move forward to ensure safety. Um, isn't it... I, wouldn't it be better, though, and easier for the district to put that decision in the hands of, of parents? Certainly, child, children aren't obligated to go on these trips, and parents aren't obligated to send their kids on these trips. But wouldn't it make more sense to have concerned parents uh, give them the license to withdraw their children from these trips? Well, unfortunately, when we as a district... Uh uh, endorse these trips and send kids on these trips, it is the district's responsibility. So although parents can uh, allow for their children to go on these trips, ultimately if it is attached to the Calgary Catholic School District as a trip, we are held responsible for the safety of those children. How is that risk, though, being being factored in? Um, because, I, I, I mean, do, do road fatalities, the number of road fatalities in any given week or any given month, does that affect whether uh, kids go on field trips? How, how do we calculate the risk that children face, whether they're going to the museum or whether they're going uh, out of province or out of country? 
Well, ultimately, we find that this is uh, very difficult to predict where these acts of terrorism or violence are occurring. We're not entirely sure. And so these trips are all enhancements for the educational experience. While we definitely believe in the educational value of these field trips, they are definitely enhancements. And so for that reason alone, uh, the risk is not worth it. I mean, we come down to the safety of our students and staff. And so this is something where it is truly an enhancement. So we have made the decision that it's not worth the risk for us. Right. But this doesn't cancel trips within the country? No. And in fact, that's one option we're looking at is uh, we felt that uh, crossing the border carries a risk and staying in Canada has its advantages and in, in, it's simpler, it's closer to home. And uh, so what we've done is uh, we are looking at options where some of these trips may proceed um, within Canada. Okay, but I mean, it seems to me that if I were to try and gauge the risk of uh, of an attack, a terrorist attack, for example, in the cities of Ottawa, Toronto, and Minneapolis, um, then I would think that Ottawa and Toronto are just as likely, if not more likely, than Minneapolis. So how is it calculated? Uh, again, we just determined that uh, crossing the border carries a risk in itself, and we just felt that it was easier for us to endorse trips within Canada, and uh, we feel that the threat level there is, is perhaps less. And uh, like I said, I, we just felt that it was a safer environment for our, our uh, families. And in some cases, that's not even going to be an option. Uh, well, so, so this means all trips, as I understand from what I've heard. I mean, for example, there's the, the uh, marching band program uh, at Bishop Grandin School that's pretty well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they have some, some international travel set as, as part of a, a tour with some other marching bands for stuff like that. I mean, that, all, all that's off then, right? Yes. We're going to reevaluate the decision in September 2016, but any trips that would occur between now and then would be um, held off. Okay. Now, what about, sorry, what about trips that are, are, I mean, depending where they are on the calendar, some trips may be coming up sooner than others, and, and parents got to put down deposits and, and these kinds of things. Are, is it possible that some parents are going to be out money as a result of this? Well, this was precisely why we felt it was important that we make a decision quickly, because there were impending payments for some of the trips that were sooner than others. So uh, we are working closely with the tour companies. The schools are working with the tour companies and the parents to determine what options are available. Can the, the payments be transferred to another trip? Can there be reimbursements? And so it's, it's different depending on the tour company that we're working with. It's different depending on how far out the trip is, how many students are going. So there's a number of factors that need to be looked at. But we can take that to indicate that there are some parents who will be financially put out by this. Again, I can't confirm that because there will be situations for sure where we can um, redirect those funds to another trip. Uh, We don't know that as of yet, and that's certainly what we're looking into with each individual trip now. Okay. Um, So this sounds to me then like it's a responsibility and liability issue from the perspective of the district. No, it's certainly a student safety and uh, safe and caring environment for our students and staff. That is the primary driver behind this decision. Of course, there is liability and risk that is part of that, but primary is the safety of our students and staff. Okay. Absolutely. Secondarily speaking, then, as far as the liability goes, has the district uh, received any indication from insurers that that they wouldn't be covered in the event of of an act uh, of terrorism or some sort of accident that happens abroad? Has something changed on that front? Well, just to make sure that we had all our information together, we have investigated that, and certainly there is no insurance coverage for terrorism. 
what what would uh, result in a different decision a year from now though i mean uh, you know we we've we've seen terrorist attacks in in the past we've seen mass shootings in the past uh, and and undoubtedly we'll, we'll probably see them in the future so why why would this decision be any different a year from now well, and perhaps it might not. I think that's something we have to look very closely at. The way things are, are occurring in today's day and age, perhaps that's that's a good question. And we need to look at that closely, and, and perhaps things will be exactly where they are. And again, as I mentioned earlier, these trips are enhancements. So that's something we have to carefully consider. But I can't speak for what the decision would be. Uh, you know, 10 months from now, but we'll certainly uh, be able to conduct a, a consultation process to find out how people are feeling and what kind of um, what kind of sentiment they have about international travel at that point. Right. I mean, recognizing I'm asking essentially the same question Rob did. Um, the, the world uh, has always been an unsafe place uh, on a district by district basis. I mean, for example, traveling to the airport in Kabul today is a bad idea. They've just seen some gunmen attack the uh, facility. Uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, flying to, say, Peru today is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So, so, so what, what would change in the world that would make this blanket policy um, uh, some, something that you could re- remove. I don't know. I guess I guess we'd have to look at options and see what's available to us. If things continue to happen at at this rate and uh, with this unpredictable nature, um, perhaps it won't change. I guess that's something we need to look more closely at. But I think it was really brought home for our district because we had students in a very dangerous place at a very dangerous time and and uh, i think that's that's risk and safety that we're unwilling to compromise but that, that doesn't it seem at some level irrational to say well there was a terror attack in paris so this band concert in idaho we can't go to well you know at this point we don't think it's an option to pick and choose i think we've just determined that international travel at this point we cannot ensure the safety of our students with these types of events happening at, at essentially a random rate so we decided at this point after consultation with uh, as i mentioned a number of groups that this is the route we're taking all right fair enough tanya thanks for joining us here appreciate this Thanks so much. All right. Tanya Young here, Director of Communications with the Calgary Catholic School Division, uh, explaining their rationale for why they've uh, now prohibited any trips outside the country. Uh, yeah. they, they've done the same in Edmonton, uh, as, as noted. So um, what do you make of that? 974-8255. I mean, there's a lot of ways to slice and dice this. And certainly uh, you, you understand Tanya's perspective that first and foremost has to be the safety of their kids. But... There are a lot of questions, and uh, certainly this is a policy that is uh, worth questioning. We'll be back after a quick break with your calls. Howie, Bob, Steve, stand by. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. All right, 974-8255. Boy, there are a lot of people calling in about this one. Let's get to Howie right away. Go ahead, Howie. Howie? All right, we'll give Howie a second chance there. Let's go to Bob. How you doing, Bob? Yes, I'm fine, thanks. Go ahead. I'm I'm wondering if this is not us giving into terrorism. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, changing your behavior, right? Because of uh, terrorist action. Because right? of terrorist acts. Yeah. And, now, and, right, and but that, at the, okay, but at the same time, there, there's obviously a limit to that, right? I mean, uh, you know, if, if I said, hey, you know, it would be really neat to, to take the kids to Baghdad, we would say, well, that's just uh, insane. Now, yeah. that's, you could say that that's giving into terrorism, or you could also say that would just be an extremely dangerous place to go. Well, yeah, I wouldn't go to Baghdad anyway, but, but my, I've got a granddaughter. She was supposed to be going to New York, and now she's canceled. And I know they're supposed to make up their mind and maybe change their mind by uh, 
uh, I think it's the 19th of this month. I'm not sure. Right. But she's she's disappointed, and some of her girls in her, her class are disappointed. Of course. And that's what they're saying. Actually, I I never even thought of that because I didn't really hear about it. But that's what mm-hmm. they were saying when I I first talked to them about it. Mm-hmm. And that's you know they think they're giving into terrorism. Yeah, it's a it's a good call, Bob. Thank thanks very much. Uh, and by the way, Baghdad, very nice this time of year. Well, here's the thing, and and you know, last year we we were we're going on a on a trip in the summer, flying yeah. somewhere, and we'd been on a plane before. For whatever reason, my my son, younger of our two kids, was nervous about flying. He was kind of anxious about it. So one of the ways I explained it to him, I said, look, you know, flying on a plane is one of the most safest ways of of traveling. Uh, you know, I mean, I didn't put it exactly this way to him, but I mean, you're far more likely to die on the highway mm-hmm. than you are in an airplane. Right. But it's just that the notion, well, gee, I mean, airplane just seems like it, it's more dangerous. You're in the sky. And, you know, I've seen stories about planes crashing or, you know, these kinds of things. But it's it's an emotional reaction. It's not a it's not a rational fact based assessment of, of what the actual risk is. It's just kind of an emotional knee jerk reaction. That's exactly what's going on here. Mm-hmm. They're doing the exact same thing. We're trying to teach our kids not to think this way. So it's unfortunate that a school board that's in charge of educating kids is thinking this way. Let's get to uh, Steve. Hi, Steve. Go ahead. Yeah, this is definitely a case of overreaction by the school board. I mean, like, are we going to bubble wrap these children? We've already got all the toys taken out of the playground, so little nobody ever gets hurt. We don't play tag anymore. You know, uh, how are kids even supposed to grow up? Like, you know, this is this is insane. Like. Uh, Comparing uh, Bangladesh with uh, like New York City is like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's, that's uh, yeah. my biggest comment. Like this is this, this woman. It's how we feel. I mean, remember, it was we and them, and you know who are who are we? Who are them? Yeah. You know, like who's really pushing this agenda? It's, it's like one or two of them. I'm sure of it. Well, so, that's a good. That's a good call, Stephen. I, you it's know, the I precautionary right. principle, yeah. and it just it unfortunately gets taken to extremes. You got to assess every jurisdiction on its merits. Would would we send kids on a field trip to Detroit? There there have been no terrorist attacks in Detroit. But you wait a sec. What's what's the crime rate? What's the actual danger of where that that trip's going? There was the the, the uh, basketball trip to Hawaii that was canceled in Edmonton. Well, wait a sec. Okay, let's assess the actual dangers of Hawaii. Don't take an event that happened thousands of miles away and make assumptions about the risk of going to Hawaii. Look at the actual risk of going to Hawaii. Yeah, consider this, right? They, they, they could arrange a camping trip to Waterton Lake Park, all right? And what they're going to do is they're going to hike around Waterton Lake, cross the border into Glacier National Park in Montana. Now, the My policy goodness. says they can't do that. The policy says they can't do that. And if you ask the policy, well, why not? The policy, an inanimate piece of paper, would say, I have no idea because that sounds ridiculous to me. Should you cancel a trip to Chicago right now? I would. If I were the principal, I would say, guys, let's postpone this one. Should you have canceled a trip to Baltimore when they were having their riots? I would. Canceling a trip to Paris or Brussels makes some sense to me because you've got these presidents saying the terror threat here is really, really high. How about going to Mexico? Or Beijing. Hey, there's a great example. You know why you should cancel your trip to Beijing today? Not because of terrorism, but because the air, you can't slice it with a knife right now. It's so six people there. killed. Six people killed in a 33-vehicle crash in Beijing because of the smog, because of how bad the smog is. Cancel that field trip. Exactly. Let's uh, let's get to... Uh... Hey, is that Denise? Hello. Hi, Denise, go ahead. I, I just got back from Israel and Jordan. I've never felt so safe. And that we, we went to university. I was on a tour, and we went to university. It was a Catholic university. 70% of the students are Muslim. 
30% Christian, and they said, please go home and tell people to quit listening to the news about what's <laughs> going on here. We are working so hard at staying, uh, you know, staying um, on good terms, and the media makes it so terrible for them. Right. Yeah. Denise, it's a good point. Thanks so much. I mean, it, 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 I think it kind of goes back to, to what you were talking about on the airplane, Rob, that if you, if you look into it, you check the data and you make a rational decision, you'll find that, listen, there are some places to travel in this world that are every bit as safe as they have been in the past. Yeah. It's an absolute crapshoot with these, the way these, uh, these mass shootings in the United States happen. Did anyone think San Bernardino was due? Was there something about San Bernardino that you thought to yourself, boy, when, when ISIS comes, that's where they're going? Well, That's you know, it, in the cavalry. Hey, coming up in the spring, I mean, my, my daughter's going to Quebec, a uh, middle school trip to, to Quebec, and, and it's going to be pretty neat, and she's pretty excited. And, and just, you know, as a parent, I mean, you feel angst, your kid's away, your kid's on the other side of the country. But, I mean, what should I say? Well, gee, I mean, you know, Montreal Massacre was in Quebec. <laughs> That's, you know, it sounds like a dangerous place over there. And they had the right? FLQ crisis in 1970. Well, so exactly. So they're long overdue my for goodness. another thing. Yeah. It, it's just, it's not rational. That, that's what bothers me about it. We, I mean, this kind of critical thinking is what we need to be teaching the kids. I think we're, we're sending uh, exactly the wrong message. Let's take a pause right here. We'll come back with more. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge. This is News Talk 770.